Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. It's my email address. As always, thank you for the mails. Thank you for uh, informing me where you are mailing from. I love that part. Uh, so many, so many places around the world um, and uh, so many listeners from all those places. Uh, jump into the live chat, as always. Um, I have it open in front of me. And if you are watching, uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here. All the links are on TNT's website. Um, you can watch via, I think, X and Rumble and YouTube and all the usual suspects. And uh, the part that's my favorite is the 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 post-show download. So you can go and watch or listen to any of my shows after the fact. Just go to my page on TNT's website. You'll see the whole archive there. Uh, we... You won't find all the videos of all my shows because we only started with video streaming a couple of months ago, uh, but uh, everything else is there. Okay, let's get to my guest. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. How are you, John O'Sullivan, on this Friday? Oh, very well, Jeremy. Thank you very much. As I was saying before we came on air, it's a bit of a tricky week, but you know, you get on with it, don't you? Just you, you soldier on. <laughs> you were saying that uh, you, you're having issues with your Mercedes Benz. I think therein lies the problems. The problem, your Mercedes Benz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People say that, Jeremy. I know, I know that. I mean, it's all they say. It's all image. It's just a badge. You're buying the badge, but I don't believe that, Jeremy. I, I, I've been driving 44 years, but and I've I've driven them all. I've driven the Ford. You, you're you're coming across as a big Ford man. I've had a few Fords. Stop I like Ford. Ford. Man. Yeah, no, yeah. I like Ford. I like I like Toyota. I like Ford, um, and um, I like Mitsubishi also. Yeah. I've had um, uh, mainly BMWs, uh, Audis, and Mercedes the past 20 years because I, I don't mind paying a bit more, um, partly prestige, but I'm a, I'm a big guy, Jeremy. I like comfort and all these small cars, you know, I need yeah. my comforts. No, but you, okay, so hold on. We are talking over each other here because the cars that you're talking about are low profile, they're normal cars. Um, when, I, when I speak about cars, I'm speaking about, you know, some, sort of four by four off-road type stuff actually because i live in africa <laughs> yeah 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 i know yeah again yeah i totally agree with what you're mm. what you're saying about the um suvs and things but you know i mm. i am thinking about getting an suv um mainly because it's for older people you know the older people here the big market for suvs <laughs> in the uk it's for geriatrics. It's for people who find it difficult to bend down. So maybe you're giving the game away here somehow. No, 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 no. When I think of a Merc, I think of old people. That's what, actually what my wife said. She said, she said, isn't a Mercedes for old people? Well, it's not for poor people, put it that way. No, exactly right. That I agree It's image, with. isn't it? I, I, I mean, I, I can't I won't deny it, Jeremy. There's a partly an image thing, but also... Um, I think you get what you pay for. Um, I don't buy new yeah. cars. I stopped buying new cars many, many years ago when I realized after two or three years, the car's worth half what you pay for it. I, I tend to buy cars about three or four years old that have you know, been broken in properly, 
have most of the, their depreciation gone and uh, I don't really feel I'm losing so much money that way. It's just how I think. Um, well, funny, let's just stay on this for a moment because um, I, there are also weird cultural differences here. Um, so here in South Africa, it's very difficult to exist without a car, right? I mean, firstly, the country is fairly big um, and uh, and we have pretty much a dilapidated public transport system. So if, if you rely on buses and trains, well, God bless you. And it's nice knowing you. But in, I noticed that when I was in, in Europe a few months back, public transport is very efficient. You don't need to own a car. Uh, and so there is a cultural difference here. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I didn't um, own a car till I was 26, Jeremy. I spent most of my early manhood in poverty. I was a student and uh, you know, struggled. <laughs> and my priority was to try and get a house. I mean, I saved up and bought a house at 25, and I was very lucky for to get a deposit for a house. And as you say, you can do do away with the car issue because where I lived mainly was in uh, urban areas. I lived in cities. I lived in, um, you know, in, in the areas that you don't really have to worry about cars so much. And public transport was pretty reliable, but um, it's got worse over the years. I, I, the more I've talked to people, the more people have said, you know, there's nothing like having your own vehicle, the, the, the sense of independence, going where you want, when you want. Um, the downside is I, I, when I first bought my car, Jeremy, I must have put on about a stone in weight, which is about, I don't know, several kilos. So, I mean, it's shocking how any excuse you can to get in the vehicle, you take it rather than walk. Um, but again, it rains quite a bit here, Jeremy. So again, you're avoiding the bad weather, aren't you? Also, I like big vehicles um, and I cannot lie. <laughs> But um, <laughs> I, I do enjoy, I, I really do like big cars. So SUVs, uh, what do you call them overseas? Uh, pickup trucks. Uh, we, do you know that the term pickup truck is not used in South Africa at all? At all. It's not a term. Well, there is a difference. We don't, we don't, we don't even see it. Mm. The, the difference between a pickup truck and an SUV is an SUV is a glorified saloon, uh, where a pickup truck is a utility vehicle with a big storage compartment in the back. And, uh, yeah, I lived in America, you know, where the pickup truck is king, you know, and everybody had a pickup truck. If you didn't have a pickup truck, you want a real man. If you're driving around in Mercedes, they think you're gay. So, again, that was a culture <laughs> shock for me when I went out, lived out in, uh, in America with my but wife. But you drive, you drive a Mercedes, John. I've got questions. Go on, ask. I don't care, man. I, I'm proud of my Mercedes, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, I've driven all sorts of cars, and I, and I, I can tell you for a fact, Jeremy, that I feel mm. safe in my car. And I never felt so. I've had some real bangers, Jeremy. I mean, I'm not a rich man. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I've had some cars that cost $200. You know, that that's the stage of my life. It's been up and down. And I've, I've driven Citroëns. I've driven Peugeots, uh, Mitsubishis, Renaults, um, every kind of car, General Motors cars. You know, in, in the UK, we have what's called Vauxhall. Vauxhall is just a rebranding of General Motors. And... Um, they were crap. I mean, they. I mean, I remember driving one yeah. of these General Motors cars, and I went to uh, pull the door handle shut, and the handle came came off in my hand. You know, it just fell off. Um, so you get what you pay for, Jeremy. That that's my bottom line. The thing, yeah, though, um, in Africa is there. There are some blessings in disguise. Yeah, there are some silver linings. So we do have to rely very much on our own vehicles, uh, and uh, that's a good thing because, for example, a fifteen-minute city will not take off at any at any stage in the near future 
in most African countries because uh, we are by default failed states and therefore very decentralized in the way our transport works and, and the way people live and all that sort of stuff. So uh, we, you, you take some of those, some of those wins and some of those losses. For example, a 15 minute city, I think is a good idea, <laughs> dare I say it, because it's nice to be able to have everything nearby. Um, Amsterdam, for example, uh, and I think to some degree Paris are, are good examples of of cities in which everything is close to you. Now, I'm not saying a 15 minute city actually is a good idea, but I'm just saying in principle, if you live, if you live with everything very close and you don't need to own a car uh, and you can use very reliable public transport, it is actually very, very convenient, uh, but it comes at other costs, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm a pretty good um, person to talk to about that because I've done both. I've lived in a city and I've lived in a more rural mm. area. And I can tell you for a fact, you, you've got to have a car in a rural area. I lived in East Anglia yeah. in England, which is uh, very, very rural. You know, it's, it, it's the least densely populated part of the UK. Um, it's very flat and uh, lots of narrow lanes, uh, very, very few buses, hardly any public transport. And without a vehicle, you really are screwed. You can't get to work. You can't do anything. Um, I've also lived in cities, big cities, half a million populations. You know, I lived in Leicester in, in the UK, central U uh, England, and uh, I lived in Cardiff. I've, li I've lived in Swansea, major cities, and uh, and London as well. You, you mentioned Paris. I've been to Paris a few times. I've been to London a lot. You know, um, you know, and I love it because the public transport is fantastic. Um, I know they're on strike at the moment. They do strike a lot because they know they can, they can um, you know, dictate uh, the pay structure and all that. And I know they're anti-car. London is incredibly anti-car. I went to the city of Bristol a couple of weeks ago, and the day after I got a letter through the post fining me £70 because I dared to visit the city centre in my car without even paying the surcharge. You know, what? it's just shocking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, slow down, slow down. Just explain it to me. Why did yeah. you receive a fine for going to the city? Yeah, the problem uh, is everything now. It's the climate agenda, the woke agenda, where they think you're polluting. They want the polluter to pay. The polluter pays. And the attitude is it's um, you know cutting back on emissions, so-called CO2 emissions, which are, in yeah. effect, plants. all nonsense. But anyway, cities in the UK are now, one by one, are adopting these uh, charges for vehicles. And people are up in arms, Jeremy. They're revolting because um, everything is monitored to, by CCTV camera. And uh, they're not really well signposted either. You, I didn't even know I was into a low emission zone. I, I had no idea the city last year changed you know, to, to having this what? low emission rule. Hold on, hold on. So uh, this is very interesting. So if you go into the city with a certain type of vehicle, they, they give you a penalty. Is that right? Exactly that, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they they categorise wow. it euros, euro euro categories. They, again, it's Central European thing. It's the EU dominating everything. We've got these categories for the vehicles. You're classified as high emission or low emission. If you have a brand new vehicle, Jeremy, it's you know it's virtuous. You know, even though it's cost you know, a fortune to build, <laughs> and CO two emissions are through the roof. My car that's twelve I'm years old. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. I'm sorry for laughing, but this comment that just came through <laughs> from, from, from Skippy. Um, Mercedes are great cars if you don't have a garage at home to park it, since it'll spend half its life <laughs> at the mechanic. <laughs> That's a bare-faced lie. 
<laughs> well, you know, I've had three or four Mercedes in my life, Jeremy. And out of all the cars I've had, I would say the Mercedes have been the ones for me. Again, it's anecdotal, isn't it? Anecdotal. Mercedes have been the ones for me that have been the most reliable. Um, but, you know, you get what you pay for. I mean, the worst cars I've had were French cars. I would say, by and large, French oh, yes. cars are the least. Like, and Italian, <laughs> yes. Italian cars have got a really bad reputation. They always break down and they rust like crazy. Um, so, again, you know, it, it, there's a reputation. Everything has a reputation that precedes it. And buyers know this. If you're a pretty savvy buyer now, you've got an excuse these days, Jeremy. Just go online, do your research. There's many companies out there. There's many YouTubers all with their own channels telling you which cars are good, which cars are not good. And, you know, do, do your due diligence. Uh, I do, you know, and uh, I'm not unhappy, Jeremy. I'm, I'm quite happy all round. You know, I, I've, got, I've got what I want. <laughs> I must just tell you, uh, my wife has a, a Suzuki Jimny. What an unbelievably awesome car. It's a little thing. It's very small. Uh, and I like Japanese engineering. I'm a big fan of Japanese cars. Yeah. And it's such an amazing little, it looks like, it looks like what a, uh, um, a Jeep Wrangler uh, will look like when it's when it's older. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> it looks like that, but it does everything that a Jeep Wrangler can do. It's just much yeah. smaller. <laughs> it's got it's got a tiny wheelbase, but it's it's raised uh, very nicely from the ground. It's got extra suspension, uh, low range, so you can go off road. That thing is a. It's actually quite a quite a fun vehicle i, I highly recommend a, a suzuki Jimny. yeah i've never had one um i wouldn't rule it out because um i'm again looking to the future jeremy i'm gonna have to get the suv because as i get older i don't want to crouch down so much uh, i'm thinking of an suv <clears throat> because again it's the it's the thing to buy nowadays because you feel safer anyway you're higher up um nobody messes with an suv if you're lower down like i am in my mercedes you look up to these people i think psychologically you don't like to look up do you it's always about the um image on the road who has the dominance and again people can't deny it a car is a symbol of who you are it expresses your personality and, and i think it's a fair comment <laughs> john it's not your day i'm sorry <laughs> so so yeah this one from somebody called hemingway he says i just saw a mercedes driver using his indicators correctly on the motorway twice should I should I report the vehicle as stolen? <laughs> you know, we used to say, um, you might, have you heard of Skoda? Skoda used to have an awful reputation as a brand. They're now part of the VW Audi group. And uh, going back 30 years ago, Skoda were like the butt of every joke. I mean, I, I had a friend, I used to travel to school, I used to car share with a fellow teacher going to school. And uh Every other week, I'd have my Audi, my nice Audi, and he'd have his beaten up old Skoda. But he always had the fun, the mickey taken out of him, but he was the guy laughing the most because he could afford good holidays. He, he had money in the bank. Yes. You know, so he was quite shrewd. He didn't care about his image. And I think that that's the trade-off really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, I like this comment here from Ivan. Um, a Jimny looks like a Jeep Wrangler after it's been put through a hot wash. Yes. I mean, it's, it can't compete. It's a little engine. It's a little thing. I mean, it's it's cramped. It doesn't even have back doors. But yeah. I have driven that thing in the desert. And I've driven it in the most, you know, the, the I've driven it in conditions that pretty much only Wranglers can handle. <laughs> and it and it it does perfectly. It It doesn't yeah. fail. Yeah, you see, your mindset, I get your mindset because you're more, 
you know, uh, uh, rural. I'm more met metropolitan, yeah. and uh, you know, you'll never get away from the fact that your mindset is dictated by your environment. Right. I, I think my mindset from a young man was to get something sporty that's prestigious, and um, I could outperform other vehicles. And and here we have so many roundabouts. And the, the nightmare of living in the UK, uh, Jeremy, is we have roundabouts, and there's nothing worse getting yes. Get stopped at a roundabout and you can't get out because there's no room to, to find a gap. But if you've got mm. a bit of extra power, Jeremy, I can assure you, you can find a gap. <laughs> uh, John, hold on. I'm just quickly go to a break. I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jeremy. This is GNT. Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time when the Western Empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan. Whilst at the same time, the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, John, I'm so sorry, but um, you are being ripped apart uh, in the comments yeah. about uh, being a Merc driver. <laughs> I, I love the hate, Joe. I live, with, I live for hate. Give me the hate. Bring on the hate. I can take it. I've got a thick skin. I'm the, um, I'm the Katie Hopkins of the science debating community. You know, I can take Listen, all that hate. <laughs> so, so if you're talking, okay, hang on. So in all fairness, in all fairness, my brother-in-law has a, a Mercedes, uh, but he's got the, what's it called? The G-Wagon. Um, oh, yeah, so it's, good, it's good. so that's an off-road vehicle. Um, yeah, and, yeah. um, I've never seen it actually do off-road because it's so expensive. I think, I think if you scratch, if you scratch that, it's like game over. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a G wagon into the bush. No, I mean, the thing is, Jeremy, I could go and buy a brand new uh, little Ford. I can buy a, you know, economy brand new Ford, or I can buy a luxury 10, 12 year old Mercedes. Um, I get far more buying a Mercedes. You know, I've been driving 44 years, Jeremy. You, you kind of learn what you like over the years mm. and each to their own. It's free choice. 
And, you know, thank God at the moment, we still have you know, a fair range of vehicles to choose from. If the government get their and way, I think, we'll be do, doing EVs, won't we? <laughs> and I think, I think we should celebrate conversations like this. We need to chat more about ice vehicles because uh we <laughs> i'm no fan of uh, of electric cars uh, uh, a friend of mine has got um some some uh, bmw ev and man it is so gay it's got no gearbox yeah. Yeah. and it has it, it's got some digital uh replica of the engine sound so that it sounds you know mean <laughs> it, it's it's weird climbing into a car that's got just nothing in the middle you know, and it has yeah, no, so, it's, so yeah, so it obviously has no clutch. So it's, only, it's essentially yeah. got what, two pedals. I, I don't know how anybody can drive that and, and, and still, <laughs> and, and still be a guy afterwards. <laughs> well, I, I think the market mainly is for very old people and, and corporate reps, mm. you know, people who don't really care so much that money is not the issue. It's, and really, they're not very well informed because anybody does any due diligence researches what an EV is and, and what it actually represents it. It is effectively the death knell of the car industry because Ford, uh, this past year, I think they've, they've lost billions, Jeremy. They literally are turning their backs on EVs, you know, and BMW and, and all the major companies are saying this This is a ma massive flop. It's, you know, it's a, it's a nonsense thing to expect people to embrace the EV future. Thinking it's for the, for the climate, it's not. It's quite the opposite. It's highly polluting. Thinking that it's actually more efficient than ICE cars, they're not. They're more expensive. The energy costs are higher. Um, insurance costs are higher. If, if you crash an EV, Jeremy, that car is written off by insurance companies because the, any damage to that battery it, it effectively totals the whole car. They're very, very unstable, very, very unsafe. Lithium-ion technology in batteries is is still much still in its infancy, really, and and. Some people argue it's probably reached its peak anyway because it, they're not really designed. It's so heavy, twice the weight of a normal car. You're going to be burning no, through and, tires twice as far, twice as far. No, and it's also it's also ridiculous. I mean, I went to uh, meet a friend for lunch uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, another friend was going to join us, and he he drives a, an EV, <laughs> and he he asks us. Um, is there a, a, um, a charging station there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, imagine living like that because you can't drive about two or three hundred kilometers before having to, to recharge. What an unbelievable yeah. waste of time. The, the phenomenon is like char it's called charging stress, where every EV driver, every journey they make, they think, where can I stop off on my journey? Yes. Have a quick charge. Yes. And the charging times are not incredible. They take forever. And all the advertised figures are very, very optimistic. Again, you know, thank God these consumer associations are waking up now and realizing that all the, oh, the journalists just swallowed the hype, you know, as it came out, believing they could get massive range mm. when they can't. They tell no, you no, never well, to exactly. let go below 20% charge, exactly. never go above 80% charge. So you're always yeah. in that middle ground where all yeah. it's good for is urban journeys. You, you can't go more than maybe 20 miles or 30 miles at most. And also, by the way, uh, just for perspective, if you if you live in a little city like Amsterdam, uh, two, three hundred kilometers on a single charge is absolutely fine because you don't really go more than two or three kilometers because the city is so tiny. But here, for example, in Cape Town, if I want to go, so Farmer Angus, who's been on my show a number of times, a good good friend of mine, he 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 runs a farm. When I go and have lunch with him at his at his farm, he's quite close, and that's still a twenty minute drive. Yeah. from my house you know that's that's 20 minutes in a car and that's still not far away so the distances here are much greater 
than in than in some European cities. So so to be able to charge an EV here is a lot more important because of the 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 you know the much further distances that you drive. Yeah, there's so many issues I could talk about, Jeremy. One mm. of the issues is when you break down. Uh, if you're out in the countryside at, the, in, at night, imagine at night you break down, your EV battery gives up on you. You cannot, literally cannot move that vehicle. You can't push it. It's double the weight and it won't allow you to be pushed. And with no electric, you can't have your hazard lights on. You, you can't give any indication to other road users. You're, you're there in the middle of the road. Um, you're screwed. Unlike a ICE car in wintertime, your charge is, I think performance is down 20% anyway. Um, God help you if you break down in a snowstorm or a blizzard, you know, you, you're going to die. Skippy says in the comments that uh, you get run over by bikes in Amsterdam. And uh, I can confirm a cyclist rode into me when I was in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just picked up, you just reminded me, I, uh, just before, before we came on air, I picked up on a BBC mm. article about uh, electric bikes, e-bikes, e-scooters. E and I never couldn't believe my eyes, Jeremy. They're actually saying the negative side about e-bikes, e-scooters. And I was quite shocked because they were showing images of burnt out bikes. And I'm thinking, hold on, this doesn't sound like the BBC. And I read the article more closely. And what it was saying mm. is don't buy these low quality uh, Chinese e-scooters. E buy higher quality, more expensive ones with better batteries. And again, it's about cost, isn't it, Jeremy? <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a nice collection of vehicles hitting the South African market and doing a, a great job. And I, I've become quite a fan of Haval. Uh, I don't know if you, if you get it on your side of the world, uh, but it's a, it's a very, very, very uh, good, good Chinese vehicle. In fact, they make incredible 4x4s. Uh, and um, and their, their their cost is way lower than than most other vehicles. And that, I mean, it's an excellent vehicle. Uh, finishes are great, reliability is great, and um, much cheaper. Yeah, it's like people talk about Tesla when Tesla first came out. It was like, oh, a prestige mm. vehicle, you've got to have a Tesla. But the build quality is crap. Um, again, if you get a Tesla and uh, and you, also you know, looks rubbish. I think it looks cheap. I think it looks like a toy car. I've I, I got why no do respect you, for Teslas. Why do you want to have a car that looks like an, an 8-bit pixel game? It's, it's, it's the most yeah, weird-looking yeah. shape. It's just it's awful. It's ugly. And don't get me started on the Tesla trucks either, Jeremy. Oh, they are death Terrible. trucks. They really are. Completely lethal. They are. And not only that, they're made of stainless steel. So a bit like the um, if you think back to the day where you've got the DeLoreans, you know, brushed up, brushed steel. Uh, if, a, if a bird poops on it, tree sap on it, you can't get it off. It's just ruined. You, you know, you're screwed. So your prestige car that you think is going to look wonderful, after a few months under parked under a tree, you know, it's going to look terrible. John, even um, Henry Ford back in the day knew that electric motors were rubbish. Uh, he, he even said so. Uh, and, uh, and to this day, what's it like? Way, way down the line and... Uh, Internal combustion is still king of the jungle. Yeah, the China. China has, has factory, uh, factories that just ch churn out these electric vehicles and they park them in fields. And there's miles and miles of fields with just parked up EVs that nobody wants. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the market is collapsing, Jeremy. I mean, it's just incredible. You, if you invest, I mean, some of the prices are inc incredible. 70000 or upwards, 100000 for an EV. You can guarantee within two years... you. 
the cars only worth about twenty or thirty thousand. Why would you throw away so much money? Because nobody wants a, re, a, a used EV. It's like buying a used smartphone or a used laptop. You just know. Anybody knows anything about battery technology? Lithium-ion batteries degrade over time. The older they are, the less reliable they are, and just just, just scrap in the end. Yeah, I see. There's a comment here. Some the, the, some people are chatting about um, trying to get hold of a Suzuki Jimny. And I can honestly recommend, it's probably one of the best vehicles I've ever driven. Look, okay, to be fair, it's it's complete rubbish on, on the highways. I mean, it's not, it's a 1500 engine and uh, it doesn't go very fast, uh, but it's not designed for speed. The moment you put that thing, you, you put that thing off-road, um, it will compete with a Jeep Wrangler like there's no tomorrow. And, and I can tell you this, I've driven that thing in the Kalahari Desert on sand up, dunes in actual fa- in actual fact we had to go and help uh, a toyota hilux that got that got stuck in a, in a sand dune on on the top of the sand dune huge vehicle and i was driving uh, uh, my wife's jimny and we had to go and help them because because they got stuck in and and we didn't and <laughs> so it's it's pretty funny that this tiny little 1500 4x4 is helping a toyota hilux yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, again I, I think again we, we've become over complex and i think that's the problem it mm. reminds me again it's a stupid analogy maybe but if, if, think back to the second world war german engineering germans built the most advanced tanks you know on the battlefield yet they're always breaking down the russians built cheap mm. mass-produced vehicles their tanks were like very very rudimentary yet they were highly effective and easily replaced like the sherman tank again the american sherman tank very cheap to produce must produce if it broke down so what parts were interchangeable no problem with over over complicating things we're making our lives more and more stressful and again uh, there's a law they're talking about bringing in a law the right to repair law um there's people in the eu jeremy that want to ban the right to have the vehicles repaired you know they, they they want you in new vehicles and they want you to lose your autonomy and not fix your own vehicles and i think most men back in the day certainly my father's generation they loved tinkering with old cars they used to love it it was their hobby it was their passion to do up an old car even when i was a young man you could buy yes. an old car for next to nothing and become mobile if i if i had the money and i suppose the inclination i would get a an old beetle and uh, and totally redo it. That that yeah. that. But it's it's a particular beetle. Um, I forget now which model it is, but it's the one with the bigger backlights. I think oh. from about 1967. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about. It's not the one with the little windows. It's the one with the bigger windows at the back, and the the backlights are bigger than the than yeah. the earlier the earlier models. Well, they like the Mexican version. I know Mexico. They built their own version of the VW Beetle and they were very, very successful. And they, and they, they will continue, they manufactured it way, way beyond the, the manufacturing end in Germany. Um, two other vehicles I think are worth mentioning is the VW Camper, which is an amazing, mm. iconic vehicle. And the, the British iconic Mini, the Mini, out of a Mini car. Again, if you're a young guy, yes. hardly any money, yes. what a wonderful vehicle to start your life on. It's just amazing, cheap to do, cheap to maintain. So much and fun. also... And those minis are fantastic in traffic because you can drive underneath trucks. <laughs> yeah, and also go, you can go through sewer systems. You can drive anywhere. Watch, um... um, I remember yeah, I think, the Italian I think, job. Look at the Italian job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you talking about the, those? But those are the new minis. No, I'm I'm going back to the older minis. The older minis were very very 
they were designed by Alex Isagonis. Alex Isagonis designed it to be a very simple, rudimentary vehicle, just like the Volkswagen mm. was, you know, the iconic uh, VW people's car that Hitler pioneered yeah. effectively and said, a car for everybody. You know, yes. this is <laughs> the, the wonderful but idea. You pronounced, wrong. Pardon? you pronounced it wrong, though. Did I? But I just... Yeah, well, it's not well. Okay, okay, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit cruel because um, I can, I can pronounce. It's actually pronounced Volkswagen. That's, <laughs> that's how oh, it yeah, is yeah, actually. Yeah. But I understand with, that people can't get that sound, so they say Volkswagen. No, I can't do it. But it's, can't for, do it. it's hilarious though hearing people say Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, another thing that actually. Well, just quickly while I'm on that, when when we uh, uh, were in Amsterdam last year, we went to the Van the Van Gogh Museum, and. Uh, in actual fact, the Americans pronounce it Van Gogh, and I don't know how you how it's yeah. pronounced in the UK, but but most people in the West pronounce it Van Gogh. They told us that that's completely wrong. That's no. not that's not even his name. No. The actual pronunciation of Vincent's surname is Van Gogh, but most people really? won't be able to pronounce wow. that. Yeah, that's actually how it's pronounced in Dutch, Van Gogh. <laughs> so, I always say so, Gogh so, or Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah, or Van Gogh or Van Gogh. That's how the Americans do it. The artist historian who took us around the museum, she said, listen, I, I love Americans, but when I say Van Gogh, they, they don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no. no. no, no. I, I tell you something similar to that. When I was a young man, I went on a tour of the south of France with my friends. I, we, we jumped in the back of an old um, Alfa Romeo. And um, mm. we drove down to south of France and we were going to park in a campsite. And the guy, the guy, the attendant said, what vehicle have you got? And I said, Alfa Romeo. He had no idea what I was saying. Only when I said Alfa Romeo, did he get what I was Alpha saying? Romeo. Oh. Alfa Romeo. Oh, Alfa Romeo. So what is the pronunciation? Is it, it's, how do you say it? I, I Alpha say Rom Romeo. Alpha I say Alpha Romeo. Romeo. But they say I, Romeo. Yes, that's Alfa a Romeo. I also say it like you do, Alfa Romeo. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard yeah, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. That sounds weird. It's like you're calling somebody on a on a on a on a two-way yeah, radio. Well, another thing is, do you drive a Porsche or a Porsche? You know, again, it's another Porsche. Ah, what do you say? Porsche. I also tomato, say Porsche. Tomato. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, Porsche. Where does that Where does that Porsche sound? I wonder actually what the correct pronunciation is for 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 Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never got my head around that one, and truly, I don't really care because <laughs> it's well, the grammar Porsche, Nazis. Porsche sounds Porsche sounds more fancy. So yeah. if, if you say I've got a Porsche, it sounds like you got the more expensive version. <laughs> it's like snobs in the summertime here in England say, "Do you want um, do you want uh, tea and scones or tea and scones, scones or scones?" And again, that reveals Americans say scones. Scones, yes. In actual fact, <laughs> in actual fact, God bless America for so many things. But also, like, I, I want to take away some of those blessings because they've absolutely butchered the English language. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they, they they get they get some of these things so weird, like horseback riding. All right, horseback so we don't. Riding, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't say horseback. Do you say horseback riding? I just say no, horse riding. I go horse riding, not horseback. Yeah, I go horse riding. riding. Why do you say horseback riding? Like, where else on the horse are you going to sit? Like, I'm going to sit on the head. Uh, horse neck horse riding. riding. Oh, no. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to sit now. <laughs> where, you know. So I've got to say horseback riding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get me started on that because there's so many things, Americanisms that come into the British language here that I find really infuriating. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, 
Let's oh, actually so many. I can't even know where don't know where yes. to begin. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that after the break. But for now, John yeah. O'Sullivan, just give me a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week when Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the position of Joe Biden when it comes to late-term abortions, she had the phony rhetoric ready to go. What I will say is majority of Americans, majority of Americans wants to see their rights protected, wants to see women have their rights protected, wants to be able to, wants, want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see. And so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights then? I'm not going to get into that specific. I'm not going to get into that question. Rights for unborn babies? What are you, mad? (laughs) But let's take a look at how Americans really feel about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup, May of last year. Only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%. A majority, 64%, say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Karine Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Just before the break, uh, we were talking about Americanisms and uh, the the one I mentioned was horseback riding, which which confuses me. But the other one also is sidewalk. So I know in the UK and sort of in the Commonwealth countries, you would say pavement. But in America, you say sidewalk because you have to be literal. You have to know where you have to walk. It's on the side of the road. <laughs> is it the fact and, that uh, uh, most people, most immigrants to America, English was not their first language. So I think they like specificity. They like to know exactly what they're meant to do in the English language. Um, but yeah, during the break, I was racking my brains to think of the words that irritate the hell out of me, Jeremy. And um, one one of the things that always irritated me when the internet really got going was router and router. You know, we we say route. That one kills route. me. That yeah, route one absolutely on route. destroys me. Router, <laughs> router. A router is something you use when you when you're working with wood. Exactly, when you're drilling out a hole. That that to me is a router. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, yeah. a, a machine capability to drill holes. Um, but again, root, again, root, again, could be said, well, that's what a plant has going into the ground. It has a root. So there's a lot of this disparity, this lot of uh, idiosyncrasy about the English language. Another thing that bugs the hell out of me, Jeremy, is when, when you, Americans say, I, I dove down, I doved, I dove down. No, you, you dive down, you dive down, you don't dove down. It's, oh, um, wait a minute. Hold on. No, wait, 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 wait. Dove is, dove actually is the correct no, past tense of dive. No, so dived d d i v e d dived oh i yeah. think i think you're going to be i think you're going to be no. you're going to be pulled pulled over the coals with that no, one no i'll take Don. you on that one definitely i think i'll take you on that one this use of the word dove down 
which is dove, D-O-V-E is dove, which is a bird. Yes. That only became common in the last 10 or 15 years in the UK, you know. Dove. I, I must tell dove. you, I don't. Yeah, I try, I try not to say dove because I, it just feels awkward, but I That's was wrong. always taught that I was taught that it's the correct past tense of dive. No, that's wrong. It die die d i v e. Just put d on the end. Dived. I dived down. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't do well, down. I dived down. Yeah. Well. Well. To be fair, you don't. You didn't. You know. You didn't skydive. <laughs> no. I sky. I skydived. I've been. Yeah. I've been skydiving. Mm. I. I. I dived. I dived down. I didn't dove down. Yes. The other one no. that that my wife actually pointed out yesterday, or was it my wife or Finneman? I forget now. But yesterday, someone said, why do they say aluminum in the US? They took out the I. Um, the problem is the English, lost, English, lost British the English. Is, well, the difference is um, when the Pilgrim Fathers went, uh, left England back in the day in the 1600s, they took with them the, the form of English that was prominent then. But the problem is um, England and France in their proximity, there was always that um, interaction. And so we kept a lot of... Uh, French, French ways of doing things like we had, like, for example, the word color, America used spell the word color, C-O-L-O-R. But in the UK, they add a U. And it's one of those idiosyncrasies. Yes. And again, you'll find that. And for 15 years, Jeremy, I've been writing in American English, even though I'm British. Um, having had to live in America with my American wife, having to do litigation, did a lot of litigation in America. Uh, judges would laugh at me if I ever yeah. made the mistake of reverting back to my native English. They would think I was illiterate. That, that's how crazy well, it is. I trust your judgment with the, with the English language more than, more than anybody else because you are British. Um, I'm South African, so our English has become butchered over time. That I can tell you. But I see here in the comments, you're getting people agreeing with you. Dived is the correct past tense. So where did this dove come from? I think it's because a lot of people who uh, picked up English as their second language as immigrants just had to kind of guess their way through. Um, there's a lot of made up words that you, you, like conversate, like you and I having a conversation. We don't conversate, we converse. <laughs> but you hear a lot of yes. Americans trying to make it conversate. And I'm thinking, what the are you talking about? There's no such word as conversate. Con conversate. Yeah, I've I'm also heard conversate. It's, it's not yeah, a real yeah. word. There's no such word, Jeremy, but... Again, oh, and the other one that gets me, the other one that gets me, I sent you an invite. John, invite is a verb. You send yeah. an invitation. invitation. It's a noun. Invitation is yeah, a noun. Exactly. I sent you an invitation. Yeah, I invited yeah, yeah. you with an invitation. And another nice thing that I love in the English language is when you're t talking multiple numbers, like how many times did you go to the party? I went once, I went twice, I went thrice. You know, once, twice, thrice. thrice. Uh, Americans don't, most Americans don't grasp that use of language. They, they go one time, two times, three times. But, you know, it's less efficient. On the one hand, American words are more efficient by dropping these unnecessary, you know, letters. Like yes. The, the, like the U in color. But again, they lose the plot when they go one time, two time, three time. When you just say once, twice, thrice. And the other one that, that I find quite funny is how they say, um, like let's say 221 they'll say i think 221 is not 200 and 21 i just yeah, lose yeah. the 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 and two 200 is it am i getting it right 221 yeah, or yeah 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 so they just leave out the end one big bugbear with my american wife when she first came to the uk is when people said they were going to, to hospital in america you say you're going to the hospital but over here in the uk we say we're going to hospital 
And that infuriated my wife because we were dropping the the the. Yes. Again, there, there's no logic to, you know, on the one hand, Americans are simplifying language, but on the other hand, they're complicating it. So again, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your choice. Someone's saying, yeah, there is only one form of English. There is no British English like computers show. English is English. It's in the name. No, it's not correct because these are variations. We have, we, for example, here in South Africa, we have the, the Oxford, the Oxford dictionary for South African English, because we have our own words now that, that have, be, have be, that, that have evolved, uh, that no, that you won't recognize that, that mm -hmm. are part of our English language. For example, in South Africa, we don't say barbecue at all it doesn't no. it doesn't really exist uh barbecue i think we we're the only country that would say bri b-r-a-a-i which is an afrikaans word but it's become english so in other words it's a it's a word that that means to barbecue but we use we use the afrikaans word as a as an official english word uh, yeah. so so like we have a, a whole new way of speaking just because of you know history I, I enjoy it, Jeremy, because, like I said to you, I, I worked for 15 years internationally. Uh, I, I met my American wife in 1997, so I'm, I'm long in the tooth in, in learning different cultural nuances. Um, because I work internationally writing, you know, I've authored several books with mm -hmm. people in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, America. Every particular nation has its own idios idiosyncratic use of English. And yeah. whichever country you go to, you just it's like a minefield. You never know whether you're being quite correct in each one. And so I, my colleagues and I, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when we wrote our first joint book, a co-authored book, we just said, look, screw it. We're just writing American English because most of the people going to buy a book are in America. Let's keep it simple and just go that route. And, and I think I, I've been doing that for the last 15 years or so, Jeremy, just, probably lazy just for just convenience though it's easier just to perhaps just give in to the trend yeah because the other one is evolving anyway spell check on spell on your check. phone for example yeah. will always default to to americanized um spelling exactly it's infuriating and uh mm. you know especially if you're trying to write a legal document or a formal letter um again most people again if you work on a laptop or computer you 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 can set up your your like your um, software to, to be format in any particular language is a very useful feature. Um, I, but I think we're lazy and we forget that. And, and, and I'm lazy, Jeremy. And, and again, I, I kind of <laughs> do a mishmash. I do do a mishmash now and again, and I, I do it wrong. But uh, so be John, it. dating. I mean, the actual dates. Why, please, oh, can yeah. someone send me an email? Germwarfare at TNT Reddit Alive. If you are American, please tell me why is it that you, you write a date with the month first? It makes no logical sense. Day, oh. month, year. Why month, day, year? Why is the month more important than the day? It doesn't make logical sense. No. Yeah, I fell out with my in-laws over this one, Jeremy. I remember having this debate over 20 years ago when I first went to America. <laughs> you, couldn't buy, you couldn't buy a camera. You know, all these uh, electro electronic cameras are all set up with that format. And no matter how you try and reformat the date, you've always got to put the month in first. And uh, even now, I, I, I had a camera dash cam fitted in my vehicle. And again, it's the bloody month first. And I hate that. I want the day first, yeah. as you say. It's far more I specific. don't get it. I just don't get it. And no, then, of course, if you, if you really want bad optics, like if you really, really want bad optics, use the imperial system, which is, I think, pretty much only two countries in the world use. And that's the United States and I think Japan. <laughs> the, whole, yeah, yeah. the rest of the world uses metric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's ironic um, because I, I quite like the old metric, uh, the old imperial system because of things like miles and pints. I, I, I can always, I still think in terms of 
Yeah, well, not so much inches, but definitely pint. When I go to the pub, I'll order a pint and I know what I'm getting. I don't, I don't, I don't order a litre or half a litre of beer. I want a yeah. pint. Or a gallon. And it, a gallon yeah. is the other one, yeah. A gallon. Yeah, you don't order a gallon of it. But again, if you're driving, if you're driving your car, in the UK, all cars are calibrated in miles. You know, our road system's calibrated in miles. If I go over, if I cross over to Ireland, you know, nearest country to us, it's fairly English. Everything's in kilometres. Um, but again, I can think in both, but I find it more convenient. I mean, like, I like the, the Americans have got it right, I think. When you're six foot tall, you get it, because that's like a benchmark. Oh, how tall are this you? Is I'm a, over six foot. This is a great yeah. comment here <laughs> from Jacqueline. <laughs> this, okay. This is the comment of the day. <laughs> Jacqueline wins the internet. No one, no one measures their penis in centimeters. They measure in inches. Done. That's it. That's yeah, the yeah, comment yeah. of the day. <laughs> you I'm know going the, back the to old inches. Saying. Yeah, the old I'm saying. dropping centimeters, John. <laughs> you should drop centimeters. I mean, I'm the um, in the manosphere. In the manosphere, that the women are looking in, in the dating market now in America. That the. the the um the, the the throwaway line is they're looking for the man with all the sixes, you know he's got <laughs> yes. to have six of everything, six figure salary, six foot tall, and six inches where it matters, you know, and that's <laughs> that's that's the talk in the dating scene, you know, and they're looking for the the three sixes. Um, there's another one, yeah. Australians made their own language uh, that involves a swear word after every other word. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The, the thing is similar to the Irish because a lot of Irish immigrants were taken out to the penal colony over in Australia and we might, kind of made it our own niche there. But I mean, I, I have a hell of a job uh, when I come on air to, to forget like you and I, before we came on air, we would quite mm. freely, quite liberally use swear words. Um, but on air, we're more professional than that. And again, I always think back to when I was a teacher and again, I never used to swear. But again, you're finding it more and more accepted speech for people to swear. And again, if you take out those key kind of Anglo-Saxon uh, kind of Viking swear words that you very, you know, very earthy or Germanic even, what are you left with to curse with, you know, and it's, it's, finding, it's finding it harder and harder to express yourself. And there's an argument that says the most intelligent people swear more anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I think I'm quite dumb. <laughs> You don't swear enough. I'm trying to. to I'm more. trying to. I'm trying. I'm trying to swear less. Uh, I've. Uh, I decided yeah. in the beginning of the COVID. The COVID era. I swore a huge amount. I think everybody did. Uh, and then, as I started realizing uh, that we could actually defeat the system to some degree, I started swearing less. <laughs> so there was a correlation yeah. between uh, becoming a winning mindset and swearing less. The biggest shock for me, Jeremy, was social media, and I brought my kids up not to swear. And the biggest revelation was when I signed up to to friend them on Facebook or wherever, and I saw the amount of profanity they wrote to each other outside of my normal earshot. And I think, oh, I didn't raise you to swear to speak like that, but you know, it's, it's the culture, <laughs> isn't it? Um, Holly, Holly says, <laughs> I measure wallpaper in metric and imperial, so it's two meters and thirteen inches. <laughs> and then and then there was a singularity <laughs> yeah oh that's insane that's insane yeah um i i have to say that i i like the idea of having the choice i do like the choice another thing that people forget is that we measure temperature stupidly and this is where the climate nonsense the climate debate is full of um yeah kind of trickery because they talk about a doubling of temperature, you know, if, uh, oh, it's written, you know, the temperature has risen from like 15 degrees to 30 degrees or something. Oh, it's double the temperature. No, it's not. 
No, it's not. The true measurement of temperature is the Kelvin scale that starts from absolute zero. So to, yeah. to bring the to Kelvin scale up to the, the normal uh, melting point of ice, it'd be 273 Kelvin. So when you start measuring uh, air temperature in Kelvin, you realize that there's minuscule differences in temperature. And it's insane that the Celsius and Fahrenheit scale is used to deceive people by, by making them think that these are massive changes in temperature. That's very interesting, John. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't? Well, you don't normally think about that. No, um, I think the way to look at it is, um, I mean, I, I tend to try and tell people what they do in engineering. One of my bugbears, as you know, is the idea that CO2 can mm. only cool things. And people say to me, oh, you yeah. don't be talking about. Talk to a climate scientist. Now look at their computer models. I'm saying, oh, hold on, stop. Engineers are real applied scientists. These are the true scientists, not the people in academia who are bribed by government to give whatever answer you want. And you can't, you can never test it in real life, can you? If those planes or bridges started collapsing and falling out of the skies, you know then the science is skewed up. Well, with climate yeah. change, it's always 50 years ahead. So you can't change it. You can't, you can't really check it, can you? Um, I see here that time is starting to run out and I'm really enjoying all the comments and uh and uh, the conversation um i want to just <laughs> i want to read one more comment here but I, i've i've lost it so just while i'm looking for that comment could you quickly promo your show john yeah um tomorrow saturday is the big day for me it's um sky dragon slaying um we've got two wonderful guests it's on we start at 9 a.m uh eastern that's run we run to 11 a.m eastern which is 2 p.m to 4 p.m gmt london time uh, our first guest is professor art Bitterito. he's talking about the geothermal energy in climate change which is not even factored in by the climate alarmist uh, our second guest is uh, none other than carol lieberman she's america's psychiatrist and she's talking about a new report that says the american school system is really dumbing down and a travesty who'd have thought that so the so the comment is you were talking earlier about Italian cars uh, being being problematic. <laughs> so, so, so You're comment, being very kind there with the word problematic. I would call it okay. crap, but yeah, <laughs> crap. Okay. So the comment is my, my partner is Italian and she's just annoying. Full stop. <laughs> there you go. They're passionate though. There's a certain range of passions. That's for sure. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Imagine, imagine having a partner who just annoys you simply because they're Italian. And funnily enough, um, I suspect that Italian pizza is not all that great anyway. Oh, my, my ex-wife, Jeremy, my American wife is half Italian and I would never, ever cuss out a pizza. I love a margarita because again, it's, it's great mm. snack food, street food, you know, and it's simple, you know, it smells mm. lovely if it's fresh, if it's cooked fresh, it's wonderful. But from a you know, frozen one from the supermarket, no, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> I must admit, I'm a fan of pizza, so I don't really care where it comes from, uh, but it must just generally have a thin, a thinner base. I don't like thin, a thick base. Yeah. A little bit burnt mm. on the edges. L exactly. A little bit crispy yeah. on the edges. I'm yeah, already hungry, crisp. John. <laughs> Making me hungry. <laughs> All right, John O'Sullivan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you, Jeremy. My pleasure. Looking forward to having you back in about two weeks' time, John. Uh, <laughs> it's always a great way to end the week. We covered, what did we cover today? We covered cars and uh, why Americans speak rubbish. 
and um and also why having an italian wife is is a bad idea there we go so that's that's a summary of 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 today's show send me send me an, e- an email jim warfare at tntradio.live uh, Hemingway says a proper show, Germ, you and Mercedes John make a good team. We do. Uh, that's why John keeps coming back for more. I, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy having John. Anyway, I am out of here. I will catch you on Monday. Uh, that's it. I'll, I'll catch you then. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.